You want to be in this video? Yeah. Ah. Oh yeah, we can do a mask up. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to say to people? Um, I love them. <gasps> you don't even know them though. I know. <laughs> you just got love in your heart? Yeah, I love them. <laughs> this is a new show. So yeah, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. As you can tell, I'm gonna be bouncing uh, back and forth between being his real daddy and your news daddy, but we're gonna do this dang thing. So support the show, support some common sense news coverage, hit that like, like, like button, subscribe, and let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this massive legal threat that's getting thrown around, ban hammers dropping, a debate around harassment of women online. And while this is one of the most requested stories over on the text line, I do wanna note, I'm not gonna go into every specific detail because uh, there is a lot of uh, fatty drama bullshit that I kinda wanna just trim away and, and get to the core of this story. And so at the core of this story, you have three big streamers, Pokimane, Ninja, and Jadeon. Although you could also say there are four people with uh, Ninja's wife ager Jessica Blevins. So a little less than a week ago, Pokimane ended her Twitch stream early after Jadeon sent what some people have called a hate raid. His viewers jumping into her stream and chat spamming L plus ratio, which she said led to her receiving other hateful messages, with him then ending up receiving a two-week ban as a result. Though things quickly escalated with Twitch upgrading that ban to a permanent one. And so with that happening, Jadeon vows to fight. He tries to enlist the help of Ninja. Because while he's no longer the, the biggest streamer in the world, his name still means things in the community. Maybe he can still try and get some help. And so long story short, this leads to Pokimane reacting to a video where Ninja is live and he appears to offer his help to text his Twitch representative on behalf of Jadeon. Help me step, Ninja. Guys, is literally, I promise you guys, there's literally nothing I can do. There's negative things I can do. I could send him, I could send a text message to my representative and be like, from Jadeon says he's sorry. And legit, at this point, I'm like, oh, maybe he's joking. Like, maybe it's just a meme. Like, it doesn't mean he's actually going to do it. <laughs> he's a legend, bro. All right. All right. I sent the text. I can't, I don't promise, I don't promise a god thing. Or is it that leading Pokemon to say? Why Ninja would help someone evade a ban for harassing me? I have no idea. I genuinely don't know. Right, so this is where things start getting messy and weird. We see Pokimane publicly share a screenshot of a DM that she received from Tyler Blevins where he swears in the life of his grandfather who recently passed away that he didn't actually call his contact. With him following up saying that she was making a big mistake. Some reading that as him saying, hey, no, you're factually incorrect. Others saying, no, that's just a threat. But then I guess seemingly to take away any confusion about what was happening, we saw Pokimane share a screenshot that she allegedly received from Ninja's wife and manager, Jessica Blevins. That message reading, we are considering everything defamation of character at this point and are getting our legal team involved. You are spewing lies to tens of thousands of people. You know Twitch, you claim you know his rep, then you know from them that Tyler never reached out to anyone and again, just said that to stop the harassment in his chat from Jadeon's viewers. We have clarified everything to you. You are actively bringing harassment to Tyler and I right now at the highest level and we are taking this very seriously. Twitch, Pokimane said, I think Jessica is trying to say that Ninja pretended to text his Twitch representative, which I'm willing to accept and cannot disprove. I just wanted the clip out there to show what happened. You also had Jadeon issuing an apology saying, Pokey, I apologize and boys, I'm dropping it, so I'm asking you guys to as well. And ultimately, as of right now, that's where we are with this. And it's gonna be interesting to watch, right? Is there any legal action or was it kind of just threats and posturing? Regardless of that, it hasn't stopped people sounding off online, people showing support for their own favorite creators. Though uh, it does seem at least on Twitter, like more people were supporting Pokimane with other large creators like Mizkif tweeting, sad how Pokimane still has to deal with misogyny and harassment in 2022. And it's even more sad how I have to say this publicly because people are afraid to stand up and say she's being treated poorly because they'll be called a simp. Which I mean, going through the arguments in this debate, even though Ninja was getting a lot of hate for different reasons, or because you had people angry at Ninja with people saying things like, look, he is defending and trying to reinstate the person that was harassing a woman. But then you had some of Jadeon's fans angry about Ninja because they're like, oh, he just lied to us. And then finally, and this was kind of more in the middle of people going, okay, let's say that he did 
lie. You had some arguing that is still part of the problem because when you see something that is wrong or someone getting harassed, you need to call it out. With people saying, okay, let's take Jessica Blevins' alleged DM at face value that he was scared of getting harassed himself. Why would he cower to the crowds? Yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on this story, but especially because it's so wild to me that like, Jadeon's no longer the focus of the story, it's all on Ninja, which is something that has been noted by creators that are commenting on this, and also some explaining it, like Asmund Gold, who said, This is just like 100% Ninja being being wrong. It's, it's literally 100% Ninja wrong. It, it's kind of crazy because, like, Ninja even looks worse in this situation than Jideon does. Is like, I mean, Jideon's not, like, threatening, like, you made a big mistake, like, t t texting her and like this. And with this story, I wanted to find out more, especially because Tyler Blevins tweeted out, all will be explained to someone that was commenting on the situation. I reached out to Ninja for a comment yesterday. He responded that he was going to release a video last night explaining and responding the situation. Though he ended up not doing that, I reached out again this morning, and as of right now, he has not responded. But ultimately, that is where this story is right now. And so, of course, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on any and all aspects of the story? Because I know there's a bunch. Whether it be about harassment online, the ban system, the legal threats, did you lie? Did you not lie? If you did, to who the, the, the there's the list is endless yeah let me know where you land and stand on this and then in one of the biggest acquisitions we've ever talked about on this show microsoft is buying activision blizzard for 69 billion dollars and part of this deal includes trying to have as many activision blizzard titles as possible available on microsoft's game pass with microsoft ceo saying in this announcement we're investing deeply in world-class content community and the cloud to usher in a new era of gaming that puts players and creators first and makes gaming safe inclusive and accessible to all and honestly this deal for Activision Blizzard seems like a golden parachute. I mean, they've just been absolutely embroiled in controversies and scandals involving sexual discrimination and assault problems. And that's without mentioning the anger at how the developers handled recent titles under the leadership of CEO Bobby Kotick, and still, Microsoft overpaid for them. And understand, I'm not saying that Microsoft got a bad deal. I imagine for them to make this deal, they must have an amazing roadmap for the next five, ten years. It's just considering everything that was happening, the struggle they were going through, the fact that they got about $70 billion is wild. As far as what's going to happen to Kotick, it appears that he'll be there at least until the deal closes in 2023. But also, based on some of the wording here, many are speculating that he'll be out after the deal closes. Though, reportedly, Kotick did tell the New York Times that he will be available as needed after the deal closes. Personally, that sounds like he's going to be leaving or just really taking a step back while trying to save face, but also, who knows? And with this news, we've seen some concern, you know, is this some sort of monopoly by Microsoft? I mean, for those who don't know, Microsoft has 20 in-house studios, including 343 Industries, which makes the Halo franchise alongside a $7.5 billion dollar deal last year for Bethesda. Not to mention its hold on Mojang, the developers of Minecraft, but a big thing to note, this deal would actually only make them the third largest gaming publisher behind Tencent and Sony. Though it is expected that we'll know what is going to happen by June of 2023 with the regulatory approval or not. But with all of that said, to you gaming beautiful bastards, I'd love to know your thought on this news. Are you excited, especially if you're one of the people that's just absolutely fallen in love with Game Pass? Are you concerned because you don't know if maybe they're going to turn certain titles like Call of Duty exclusive? Though, I, I wouldn't expect them to. I think their hope is having games everywhere accessible to all, but making it as easy as possible if you have an Xbox to actually play the games. Or with a lot of the heavy lifting being raising the value of Game Pass. Yeah, with all of that said, I'd love to know your thoughts and where you stand on this. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is the adult version cereal, meaning that it tastes like your favorite childhood cereal, but it's also high in protein, low carb, and zero grams of sugar. Basically, tons of nutritional value and none of the sugar rush. And while Magic Spoon does taste too good to be true, 
It's perfect for busy people looking for a quick guilt-free snack that keeps you feeling fuller longer. If you're a cereal anytime person like me, then eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner because why not? I'm a customer and subscriber myself. My favorite flavor, hands down, is frosted, but also peanut butter is delicious. They've also brought back fan favorites like cookies and cream and maple waffle. Also, they have OG flavors like cinnamon, blueberry, fruity, and cocoa. And the best part is that Magic Spoon ships directly to your doorstep. So if you love cereal like me, but you want a healthier, more nutritional option, you gotta check out Magic Spoon. It's affordable with a 100% happiness guarantee. And if you don't like it, they'll refund your money. So what are you waiting for? Just go to magicspoon.com slash Franco and enter code DeFranco to get $5 off any order. And then in something that I was going to call good COVID news, but really other than there's no more COVID, there's no good COVID news, but helpful COVID news. It was meant to go live tomorrow, but it's live today. You can go to covidtest.gov right now, though, preferably after today's show. If you leave now, it's gonna hurt me. Stupid YouTube algorithm. But if you go to the site, you can order four free at-home COVID-19 tests. They, they say, once again, they're completely free, and they say on the site, orders will usually ship in seven to 12 days. Though, I do want to note here, and that's because, you know, different places you might be trying to travel or different things you're trying to do, they might have different requirements. These are rapid antigen at-home tests. If you are required to have, like, a PCR, that's not what this is. And that is essentially the story because all the other news is depressing. And the number of cases and tests today that we're gonna get, uh, probably not gonna be great because there are a number of states that, that didn't report yesterday because it was a holiday, so uh, yeah. And then in easily my favorite update to a story so far this year, we gotta talk about Boris Johnson. Right, and where we last left things, you had many calling for Boris to resign after it came out and he finally admitted to having a party during a coronavirus lockdown. With the specific party in question being at his residence in May of 2020, kind of right at the height of Britain's lockdown when 35,000 people had died from COVID in the UK. At that time, you had public health guidance saying that no more than two people from separate households should gather together outdoors and stay two meters apart. And the event allegedly included 40 people. There was a leaked email invite that was reportedly sent to over 100 of Downing Street's employees, inviting them to make the most of the lovely weather and enjoy some drinks. And ultimately we talked about Johnson acknowledging his wrongdoing and apologizing though, still drawing groans from parliament. But the, the reason I bring this up today is that today, Boris Johnson, oh my God, this is so amazing. In a new interview, Boris Johnson says, nobody told him the party was against the rules. Buddy, pal, you're in charge of making the rules. Now to be fair, he is saying this because a former aide said that he did warn Boris Johnson, also accusing Johnson of misleading MPs about the event. But once again, even with that, let's say we take Boris Johnson for some reason, 100% at face value. How do you have that position? How do you have that job? when you don't even know the rules that you're making other people follow. You're either an idiot or a liar, or to be fair, maybe you're both. And so with this story, I ask you beautiful British bastards, what are, you, what are your thoughts about what's happening with Johnson and this most recent update and just any of this mess? And then in absolutely massive international news, Russia may be about to invade Ukraine. Like if you've been following with us, especially uh, over on my TikTok, we've been really leaning into this. You know that Russia's been amassing troops on the border. It seemed like maybe an invasion was imminent. And in fact, this morning, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this. We're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch an attack in Ukraine. The United States also is saying it has intelligence that Russia is planning to try and take Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and overthrow the government. With that appearing to line up with the news that more Russian troops have been placed in Belarus, only 80 kilometers from the capital. With this also coming as Russia has been evacuating its Ukrainian embassy and the UK told its embassy to be ready for crisis mode. With all this, you also had NATO revealing its space policy, which states that it will consider an attack against a member's satellites in space as an assault on the alliance. And such actions could lead to a coordinated armed response from all members if necessary. Meaning that if Russia were to shoot down a NATO member's satellite during the invasion, NATO would view this as an act of war. So things really heating up more and more and more, which I know has also led to a number of people asking, you know, why does Russia even want Ukraine? Why is Putin willing to risk it all? Well, since the fall of the USSR, the West has only gotten larger, right? Former Soviet states have seen the economic and security benefits that being in the West has, and as a result, they've joined NATO, the EU, and strengthened ties with the United States. Meanwhile, Russia's always 
viewed these countries as their sphere of influence, but they've been unable to court them because it has very little non-coercive leverage over the West. And so now you have a Russia looking at Europe and seeing its primary enemy on its entire Western border. And this isn't a completely new situation. Russia's first attempt to combat this was annexing Crimea and invading Eastern Ukraine in 2014. Though with that, you have a number of experts saying that completely backfired, right? The new sanctions that followed destroyed Russia's economy, also making Ukraine, Sweden, and Finland grow closer to NATO just out of fear. But all of that brings us to today where more than ever, it feels less like an if they're going to do this and rather when. And then finally, what happens from there? But for now, we have to wait and see. If you have any thoughts, of course, I'd love to hear from you. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.